You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Duma on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour four of The Big Show continuing. Alex Brody with me. I'm Patrick Duma. Live from the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio. Cracked foundation. Boeing foundation walls. We have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Tough one last night for the Calgary Flames. 4-3 loss to the Chicago Blackhawks. Third loss this year to the Blackhawks. Back at it tonight. 5.30 start out in Winnipeg. Wednesday night hockey on Sportsnet. Essentially uh, a must-win for the Calgary Flames. A win would put the Jets four points up on Calgary and uh, essentially eliminate all the tiebreakers. So Calgary, yeah, they got to win out. We go down that Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to continue the Flames conversation with uh, with Peter Klein, one of the one of the, uh, writer from uh, Daily Hive. Peter, thank you so much for uh, for joining me this morning. How are we doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right here. Uh, it's you know it's technically a Thursday because tomorrow's we don't we're off Friday, so I'll take it. I'll there you take go. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, what do you take uh, from last night's game? That was another disappointing effort against the Chicago Blackhawks. Three losses against this group, and last night was probably at the worst worst time to have that happen to them. We could go through it all, but what did you uh, make of that game last night? Off the top. Yeah. Well, what I, I took from it was a lot of frustration and probably a couple of years off my life watching <laughs> this team. Like it's it like the 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 only word that comes to mind for me is pathetic like that there is no way you can come out with that type of performance against that team and i like i i don't care if the the blackhawks have nothing to play for or if the blackhawks were doing a trap thing or whatever it shouldn't matter what the blackhawks were doing you are supposed to be a better team than them with so much more to play for and to come out with that and make those types of mistakes is just that there's there's no words for it really, which mm-hmm. is a great thing to say on the radio. Um, but no, like the, you, you just, you cannot have that. There are no excuses for, for that type of performance. And it's basically everyone, right? Like um, Toffoli had a pretty good game. Um, the Backlund Coleman pairing continues to, yep. to be really good. But aside from that, no one's stepping up and um, talking with uh, Tony Ferrari on, on game over Calgary last night, we were like, and he's just kind of parachuting in, watching a few games a year, mm-hmm. of course. But um, we were like, this team still looks like it's game 15 and everything's out of sync, right? Like there's yeah. no there's no crispness aside from a couple of guys. There's still, Hubro passes are a bit behind people. Kadri is making inexplicable mistakes in the neutral zone, leading to goals. There are pinches coming at the wrong time that are leading to, to odd man rush opportunities for the other teams. Like, these are mistakes that you can kind of explain away in October and November. But when there's four games left in the season, this almost swore there. This stuff should be figured out by now. Like it's just, it it boggles the mind and is beyond comprehension. How bad this team played last night with their, basically their season on the line. And there are so many times where we have said, this is the biggest game of the year for the flames. And by my count, they've shown up in none of them. Yep. No, I totally agree there. Uh, and we talk about with Nazem Kadri coming in last year, this guy was going to bring the leadership, bring that that Stanley Cup experience, some grit to this group. What was the hell was last night? We heard it on the broadcast, Eric Francis going off on him after that turnover that led to the Cara goal. Just where is the give-a-crap meter on this guy, if it even exists? Yeah, and like 
the, the, the obvious answer is, oh, he's quit on the coach. Yeah. And like, that's, it, it's a narrative we've heard here for a long time. Right. And again, to be fair, this team has brought in some very quit honorable coaches, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I don't know if I'd want to play for, for Bob Hartley. And I certainly know I wouldn't want to play for Bill Peters. Yep. So I, there, there are ways you can kind of explain it away, but now it's like it's year one. And quite frankly, I don't give a darn what the, the, the coaches, like how insufferable the coach is being. You, you want to pull that crap. You can do it again, November, December, even January, if you're feeling froggy. But to be doing that with the season on the line, if that is the, like, he's just quit on the coach, then he's quit on his teammates and he's quit on this fan base. And it's year one of a rather lengthy deal that is paying him handsomely. So it's, it's the exact opposite. But it's, it's a bunch of those guys, right? Like, yeah. I'm not saying that they've all quit or whatever, but you look at who is providing the spark for this team, it's the kids who barely get to play. You know, like, it's, it's Pelche who is providing that spark and kind of all that fun on the bench. And it, it's Walker Dewar who is providing a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I get Pelche hasn't played in a few weeks, but when he was, he was doing that. So, like, it's this team to have all of this experience and all these guys who have played in Stanley cup finals before a lot of them are coming up real small at the biggest time of the year. What do we make of the decision to like, we don't know what Sutter's going to do tonight. He kind of said yesterday he was kind of going to run with uh, Markstrom on back to backs. But then it turns last night. He says, well, I don't know. I haven't made a decision yet. What is, uh, what is going to happen? Do you like the Markstrom going on back to back here? Cause this is a guy that all year, sure, he's got the wins, but the other thing, the stats, the goals against are way up. He's just, he's not looking right. He's looking fatigued. Do you like that call of going Markstrom on back-to-back, or it should have been Vladar last night? Should have been Vladar last night, no question. Um, I, like, this time of year, again, I understand wanting to roll with your guy. The only time you really don't is in back-to-back situations, especially when the second part of the back-to-back is the one that's most important. I, I would much rather have Markstrom be fresh in there. Vladar has, Vladar has been fine um, in goal this season, right? Like there were long stretches where he was the better of the two goalies. So I, I do not look at that situation as one where it made any sense to me to put Markstrom in on, on a back-to-back. Like it, it just looked like a couple of weeks ago that he was starting to, to kind of get his legs back after being ridden into the ground last year. And now to, to be doing it to him again – it didn't make any sense to me at all to, to put Markstrom in there uh, against Chicago. And again, I'm, I'm belittling a team that just beat the Flames. But when you look at it on paper, Vladar makes way more sense to, to do. So to me, it, I, I don't understand it. I think you have to go with Markstrom again tonight just because he is the better of the two. And now with like everything on the line in this game, you kind of backed yourself into a corner where you have to play Markstrom tonight. Now, when we all when this all said and done, and if they don't end up making the playoffs, who will we end up blaming? I know this is the, the autopsy on this group will be will be extensive and whatnot. And I, and I hate going into it with four games left here, but it ain't looking great. Where can we pinpoint where it went wrong in this calendar year? Oh boy, uh, this is only an hour show. Right? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, we can go. We can go. <laughs> it's just a replay after me. <laughs> um. I, I do think you have to look at the coach first and foremost, and I get like the players play, but I feel like the, the coach has a taken no accountability this season. B made it seemingly miserable for all the players this year, and I feel like he has made changes at the exact wrong times 
all season long. You, you go back to early in the year, and I, I hate to harp on something that happened eight games in, but they lose to the Oilers on a bad play by Markstrom, and like they were right with them, they end up losing, and they changed everything up. And this was a team that needed that continuity um, at the, the beginning of the year as everyone's starting to, to kind of figure those things out. If you want to mess with the Lions, do it in the preseason. Um, but they, they mess around with it in, like, game eight. And I don't think this team really fully got on track. I mean, look, we're, we're even talking about it last night, that there's a crispness and there's a, a continuity that is kind of missing with this group. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if they ever fully recovered from that. I do think you have to look, like, when you're looking at players, I think it looks squarely at the, um, the, the guys who are supposed to be carrying this team. Huberto has been wildly disappointing this season. Kadri had some stretches where he was really, really good, but now when it's supposed to be winning time, he has faded into the back, background. Markstrom has been incredibly disappointing this season. If this team even got slightly above average goaltending for Markstrom this year, we're having none of these conversations, and we're figuring out who the Flames are playing in the first round. Like He was bad and actively cost them games. And so I think that there are a number of different places where you can look to and, and kind of say, this is where it is, that, that things have gone wrong. Like, I, I think Toffoli is having a career year. He's been phenomenal. Backlund, I think this is the best year he's had with the Flames. And anyone kind of loosely associated with him has been good. And then, like, a, a couple of the kids have been fine. But aside from that, basically everyone – could do uh, mm-hmm. a little bit better. And, and I think at the end of the day, it's going to fall on the, the general manager. I, I don't see this team making a coaching change. Um, I don't necessarily know if it should fall on the GM, but at, at this point, the, the moves that he made coming into this year didn't work. Um, so I, I think he is probably going to be the first one who is held accountable for what happened here. This one, it's kind of like maybe just, just, just grasping at straws here, but how much did this group really miss the speed of Oliver Shillington on that back end? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. And it, it's just, it, it's something that um, Peter Labardius, I, I know he talked about it a lot when I was there. I, I'm imagining it still comes up from time to time. With an Oliver Shillington there, everyone just kind of slots better, right? Yeah. Like you're, instead of relying on Stone and Zadorov every night, you can kind of mix and match them a little bit. And while I'm sure they would be frustrated by that, I don't know if quite frankly, either guy is an 82 games a year defenseman at this point in their career. They both have, like flashes where everything works and that's great. But on on a night in night out basis, that's just, I feel like it's asking too much of those guys. And you're right for a team that kind of lacks some of that speed and pace. I think Shillington would have been phenomenal to, to help this team out. Um, You you even look at it now, like Stetcher has has been quite the, um, quite the ad. And I don't know if anyone was expecting any of that. So just having another capable defenseman back there would have been good. So yeah, I, I would say, the, the speed of an Oliver Shillington or not to, to like hindsight being 2020 and all of that, what Yusuf Valimaki is doing in Arizona <laughs> sure would be nice if he was doing it yeah. here, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be all right uh, right now <laughs> for sure. But I know that's that's a tough point for a lot of people as well because we get it. We get it. At the point, Valimaki wasn't going to make it and they had they thought they had the good depth and they didn't think, oh, maybe Shillington will be back at midpoint. But, you know, things happen for a reason and uh, yeah. I don't know. It's 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 a tough uh, tough to go on with uh, what's happened here uh, this year. Uh, talking with Peter Klein, uh, Calgary writer over at the Daily Hive. Do you anticipate any 
uh, lineup changes or would we see the same group from last night? Because because what are we? We're, we're four games out. They've got nothing to lose now. Is it time for Pelche to get back in? I'm not saying Coronado gets in in such an important game, but is there just something that this group can just get a punch in the arm tonight? Because that building is tough and the way the Jets are playing of late. Yeah, I I would love if, if Pelche came back in. I, I don't think there's any way yeah. Coronado does check in tonight just no. because of the, the stakes involved. But this team needs a, a, a real shot in the arm, and I think Pelche provides that. Um, I think the obvious one, and he becomes a bit of a punching bag in this market right now, but I think the obvious one would be getting um, Lucci tonight off mm-hmm. and, and putting a Pelche in there. I think that adds quite a bit more of a, a speed dynamic going into this one that, that would really help them out. Uh, against the Jets team that, like, it's the, the sky is falling here, it basically has felt that way in, in Winnipeg. Like, the, the only thing separating the Jets from the Flames right now is the, the Jets have a guy who's played maybe the best goaltending of the season in, in Connor Hellebuck. Not a whole lot has gone right in Winnipeg the last month or so. So it, it has been right there this whole time. And while the Flames feel extremely vulnerable right now, I think it would only take a couple of pops to, to get Winnipeg on, on the back foot a little bit as well. So I, I think the energy and the spark that a Pelche could provide would be huge, especially coming off of such a wildly disappointing game last night. Rick Bonus yesterday essentially called tonight's game Game 7 for both clubs. I think that even matters more now for Calgary, seeing as they didn't get the two points last night. Do you feel like it's going to have like a Game 7-type atmosphere? Yes, 100%. Um, I think, especially from the Flames, given the Flames' loss last night, for Winnipeg, it's more like a Game 5 or 6. Yeah. Like it's really important. But it, it's not the, the be-all, end-all now. But, um, no, I, I know that like that building is loud at the best of times. Um, and just listening to our game over Winnipeg hosts, I know that there is a wild amount of desperation in mm-hmm. that fan base because it looked comfortable for a while, and now they've just fallen into a tailspin and um, have kind of allowed teams like the, the Flames and the, the Predators to, to catch up to them. So I think that there is going to be a, a real sense of desperation in that building tonight and a real sense of celebration if the Jets start to, to pull away in this game. Um, this is going to be a night where I think the Flames are going to want to take the crowd out of it early yeah. and provide some of that doubt. Because uh, uh, we, we've all been there where it's been a raucous building, and that's great, but nothing does more damage to a team than uh, nervous energy in a building. And I think if the Flames jump out to a one nothing lead and they're fast and they're hitting and they're playing the way that we all know they can, um, then I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on this Jets team. So it, it, it is going to feel like a, a desperate playoff game tonight. Absolutely. Uh, we'll shift the conversation to elsewhere around the NHL. This Eastern Conference race uh, down at the bottom here, it's coming down to the wire. Buffalo missed uh, an opportunity to to get back in it last night with uh, one of their games in hands. They they don't get the two points against Florida. Now you got the Panthers, Islanders, and Penguins all within one point. Panthers and Islanders tied at 87, all with the same amount of games played. Is it going to be that the Islanders perhaps fall out of this and that the Pittsburgh Penguins could get in? But, you know, I don't trust the Penguins goaltending that much, but, you know, you don't want to play off without Sidney Crosby. Right, and that's that, that's part of it. And, and I understand, like, that this is this is sports. It is not uh, a world that I've spent a lot of time <laughs> in, in scripted entertainment. Um, but, like, it just... You you just you can't have both Crosby and Ovechkin miss in the same year like that that just that that can't be allowed to happen. So I I just I have to. Well, I'm with you. Like I, I don't trust the Penguins goaltending at all. Um, 
but I just I can't imagine the Pittsburgh Penguins not being in there. Like it's it's just it's not something that I can wrap my brain around. I, I'm still figuring out like yeah sure Washington's technically eliminated, but they'll still find a way, right? Like it's it's tough for me to even believe even when mathematically it's no longer possible that the Capitals aren't going to make it. So I. I just I have to feel like the the Penguins are going to to make it in. Um, I think this is valuable experience for um, for the the Buffalo Sabers, and it's just fun to see that hockey market getting to have actual real life hockey games again instead of the season being done by December. Um, so that's it, it's been a lot of fun. I think that's valuable experience. Um, I, I think if the Islanders don't get in. Um, that there's going to be a lot of talk about that trade. And then I think there's especially going to be a lot of talk about the Canucks flipping that pick for a defenseman who played, I think, eight games for them this year. So uh, and I think that move was not just based on this season. But the, the Islanders, what that would mean for them to miss and the dominoes around it is just really fascinating. So with all due respect to, uh, I'm sure, both Islanders fans listening right now, um, I, I think it's more interesting if the Islanders don't make the playoffs this year. And out here in the Pacific Division, uh, the Edmonton Oilers, uh, 13-2-1 since the addition of Matias Ekholm, yet they're still three points back of the Vegas Golden Knights. Shows how much good hockey they've been playing since the All-Star break. L.A. seems to have fallen out here. Is it Vegas's division and the Oilers are just going to be there and we get an Oilers-Kings, or do you think the Oilers can still find their way to get this Pacific Division? Uh, I think they're just kind of running out of time. Like I think even if this was an 85-game season, they'd have that, that opportunity. Um, but I, I just don't see the, the King or sorry, the, the golden Knights um, dropping, dropping out of it at this point. Um, I, I think it's been great. And I, I think for Edmonton, it's helped out kind of keeping them motivated and keep keeping them mm-hmm. kind of having something to play for. Um, and, but you're right. Like they are playing phenomenal hockey right now. Like they, they look like the, the juggernaut that they're supposed to look like mm-hmm. when you have dry and McDavid, like this, this is now, they have finally, in year whatever it is, eight or whatever with McDavid, they have finally figured out how to put a team around him, and they are scary good. Like, I, I don't like to make a habit of complimenting the Oilers much, but holy hell does that team look really, really good. They, they kind of look like a team that doesn't have a whole lot of weaknesses right now. With, with Dreisaitl getting 50 the other night, um, Nuge is on the verge of 100 points if he hasn't got there already. Um, like, Ekholm has been exactly what this team has needed, and they're getting good enough goaltending to, to, to get by, and Skinner has even been like pretty good so far this year. So um, they, they look extremely dangerous, and I, I, I feel bad for the Kings a little bit because it feels <laughs> like they're going to get steamrolled in the first round. I shed very few tears for the Kings anyway, mm-hmm. but it, it does feel like Edmonton's going to kind of steamroll them and set up uh, a date with Vegas in the second round, which is going to be... Just an unbelievable level of hockey. Yeah, I think that would be absolutely entertaining. You get Eichel McDavid. I know it wasn't the same hype around their draft, but man, that would be fun. That would be fun. I want to blast. Oh my god, I want to get you out of it. Uh, get, get you out of here uh, on uh, something we both love. Uh, that's WWE. It's wrestling, and uh, obviously coming off that WrestleMania night one, you thought, "Hey, this is awesome." Night two, you're like, "What the hell is this?" And now it's like. We see that Vince McMahon might be back in charge running things, the merger with Endeavor and UFC, the forming a $21 billion sports and entertainment global phenomenon here. What do we make of all this uh, over the last crazy 24 hours, I guess 48 hours, uh, in the world of WWE? It is 
just it, a, a roller coaster doesn't even begin to describe. You're right. Night one, um, if WrestleMania was only night one, yeah. we'd be talking about one of the, the best WrestleManias ever. And even like night two was great. Um, it, it just the the way it ends, like I everything was set up perfectly for them. You had the a, a heel the likes of which you haven't had in this company like for a very long time and quite frankly maybe ever um just based on um how babyface heavy this promotion has been uh throughout their existence and then you have built up this sympathetic figure and it, it just it kind of works out which is a weird thing to say about a torn pectoral muscle <laughs> but he has the amazing moment at hell in a cell where his his pec is a whole bunch of colors none of them what they're supposed no. to be and he he has a match of a lifetime comes back and the story is just right there for you and it, it times out perfectly at this gigantic wrestlemania where you have all this attention in los angeles and to not pull the trigger there is just kind of a okay like a lot of people when there's questions of of wwe creative a lot of people go to well just let it play out i can't imagine a scenario playing out that was more perfect than leaving WrestleMania 39 with Cody Rhodes being the undisputed uh, universal champion. And so I, I don't know what the plan is, but I, I feel like it's not going to make as much sense as it would if Cody would have won. And then you, you start to see Vince come back. And to be perfectly honest, I, I saw the announcement um, as just like a, a quick thing on Instagram. And when I saw Vince with his mustache and it was like, WWE sells for $21 or $9 billion for $21 billion thing with Endeavor. I was like, this is obviously like a deep fake or not even a deep fake thing, like a medium fake thing with Vince being like some kind of cartoon villain. And then you, you watch it's like, Oh no, this is, this actually happened. Like a, he actually thought it was a good idea to have that thing on his face and B <laughs> like this, this is really happening. And it, it's not just really happening, but it's Vince back. And you look at, the uh, speaking of roller coasters the way this has all gone with all the reports of hush money and mm -hmm. it, it kind of sounding like like the the one big thing for the corporate side of it was he was using company money and then you were hearing that oh he's using company money to hide some truly awful things and so he's going to go away and you start to get this momentum building behind the company and people are getting excited about watching the television show again again culminating in this WrestleMania. And now in just a couple of nights, people are frustrated with the booking again. It sounds like it was an absolute cluster uh, Monday night. Oh, that Raw was, they had to rewrite it like a whole bunch. They were running out. Uh, I believe yeah, Seth Rollins had that little thing in the middle of the ring. They producers ran him out some, some changes. Yeah. I, I wanted to give, uh, the night, a, a grain of salt, you know, okay, maybe get Roman to a thousand days. A thousand days sounds really good. But then you see the Raw after Mania, or the, the Raw after Mania, and it's like, no, that's a Vince show. Yep. It was boring, and yep. it dragged. There, there was no fun to it at all. No like returns. Was... Brock going angry for no reason. Like, yeah. he he can't fight for the title anymore. I, I don't know. It's No, and, like, you look at it, the next night at NXT, it felt more like a Raw after WrestleMania than Raw did yeah. with uh, Noam Dar coming back and Cora Jade making an appearance and Braun Breaker turning heel. Like, that felt like a more noteworthy night. This this Raw was skippable. And it, it just it comes back to all of these different things with Vince where he's just, he has lost touch. And now you have a company that is like, he is as high up in a powerful company as he has ever been, mm -hmm. where he's above Dana White in the pecking order, which is absolutely stunning to me. And you look at those two guys, and the year they've had so far, 
with, with Vince McMahon with all of these, um, to, to put it mildly, misconduct allegations, Dana White on video striking his wife, yep. and these guys just continue to get rewarded for it. That there's, that there's no accountability. It feels very just icky. To, to support this company right now mm-hmm. after months and months of, of real strong vibes. So it's, it's extremely disappointing right now. Yeah, it was a great eight months for sure. Well, thank you so much, Peter, for joining me. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully we got some good to talk about tomorrow uh, and the Flames are still fighting <laughs> and alive in this playoff race. Yeah, here's hoping. But, uh, yeah, thanks for having me anytime, man. All right, thank you so much. There you go. That's Peter Klein. You know, it's uh, Daily Hive, uh, Calgary, uh, all Cal- things Calgary over at the Daily Hive. And he joins us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using that same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. Going to replay our conversation with Sean Reynolds around the break as it is Flames Jets tonight. 530 puck drop right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Sean Reynolds. Jets, Sportsnet reporter next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.